My teacher won't say my name correctly for two years. When I finally stand up for myself, it leads to her getting fired. Here's a little bit of background. So I have a semi-common Hispanic first name and I'm living in the Midwest United States. People don't always pronounce it correctly. Generally speaking, I think of myself as being fairly flexible with how others pronounce it. If it's our first time meeting, I will say how it is pronounced, and as long as they get somewhat close to the pronunciation after a couple of meetings, I will let it slide and acknowledge their efforts. If we've met multiple times and they still clearly make no effort to pronounce my name correctly, that's when I start to take offense. This wasn't always the case though. Before I used to just acknowledge whatever people would call me, and after dealing with some identity issues in my teen years, like many of us do, and going to counseling, I learned to fully embrace my identity, including the correct pronunciation of my name, and was taught to stick up for myself as well. The story takes place when I was starting that transition. In my teen years while attending high school, during my freshman and sophomore year, I had a teacher that was a stickler for the rules. One of those teachers that had been teaching for 40 plus years and had her system down and wasn't going to let anyone change her way of doing things. On the first day of class, she handed out her rules and explained them to us. One of these rules included the attendance policy. Every day, right after the bell rang for the class to begin, she would go through attendance, read off your name, and when we heard our name, we were to say present. Not here, not yes, or anything else. We were to say present. Not sure why she was a stickler for that, but whatever. I had this teacher for two years, and for almost two years, she would pronounce my name incorrectly. What was more confusing is she would pronounce it incorrectly in different ways each time. During attendance, she would get to my name and pronounce it incorrectly. I would then say present and my name is pronounced OP. She would then just go on to the next name, making no acknowledgement to what I just said. I would also like to add that our school was on the smaller side, with classes averaging around 80 to 90 students per grade and most teachers only focused on one or two grades. So the average teacher would probably have to work with 100 to 150 students. And by my sophomore year, every other teacher has started pronouncing my name correctly or had already pronounced my name correctly from the beginning. It was during this time that I started developing the aforementioned identity issues and started going to counseling. The counselor pushed me to embrace who I was more and to stick up for myself as well. So that's exactly what I did. Cue malicious compliance. Close to the end of my second year with this teacher, I had had enough and also built up enough self-confidence to do something about it. The next day she went through attendance and just completely butchered my name, so I said nothing. The teacher looked around the classroom to see me at my desk, mispronounces my name again, and I give her no response, again. Teacher says my name louder this time. Have you forgotten the rules of my class? You are to respond with present when I call your name. Me nervously. Still wasn't all that great at sticking up for myself yet. Your rules say that we're supposed to say present after our name is being called. My name has not been called. Don't start to get smart with me. Mispronounces my name again. That's not my name. It's she cuts me off at this point. That's it. I'm not putting up with this. Go to the office. Almost in tears, I head to the office, unsure of what I had done or in what kind of trouble I would be in. But here's the kicker. In between my freshman and sophomore year, we had got a new vice principal. This new VP was Hispanic as well and was fully aware of the counseling I was taking. I later found out that she was very active in the community and was one of the city leaders in pushing for Hispanic rights and achievements and advancements. So I walk into the office and she is the first one to greet me. I tell her what had happened and see her face slowly turn red with anger. She then attempts to regain her control and tells me to go to her office and work on homework until the next 
class period. That she will talk to the teacher and to not have to worry about her. The next day I walk into class again unsure of what to expect. The teacher simply begins her class without calling attendance and makes no acknowledgement of me. This continues for a week until we are informed that the teacher and the school board have agreed that she will be taking an early retirement before the end of the school year and that we will finish off the class with a substitute teacher for the remainder of the year. There was a little over a month left in the year, so it ended up just being movies before a watered-down final exam on the last week. Of course, the rumors through the school were that she was forced out and did not receive her full retirement, but I cannot confirm if any of those are true. I never saw her again and went through the rest of my high school career slowly growing my confidence. But let me know, am I the jerk? Man, this is one of those stories where I wish I actually knew the details of the aftermath. Like, was this a race thing? Because I found it pretty crazy that the teacher would willingly accept losing their job over incorrectly saying a student's name. You would need to have some serious issues with that student to accept early retirement. I know the OP said she was a stubborn person and had to do things her way, but I just can't see any respectable reason for her not to just say the student's name correctly. But who knows, people are pretty stubborn nowadays. My cousin has nine lives. He used one when he didn't show up to work today. So this story might be a first on the Jerk channel because it's actually a personal story of mine. And I want to find out if you guys and gals think I'm the jerk at the end of it. Also, don't forget that you can submit your own stories via the link in the description. So this story involves me and my cousin. We will call him Bill for this story. Bill is about seven years younger than I am and we both have lived very different lives. I come from a middle class family that struggled at times during my childhood, whereas my cousin grew up in a slightly better situation where his parents both made pretty decent money. Bill has probably traveled more places in the world before he was out of high school than I have in my entire life. Bill also usually got everything he wanted growing up, so he never really had to deal with a lot of pushback. But don't get me wrong, just because we grew up differently doesn't mean that I have any ill will towards my cousin. His family is pretty awesome and they have been there for us when we needed them. But I just need to set the stage for what happens later in this story. You see, not only has my cousin Bill been able to experience a lot in life, he's actually pretty lucky to be alive. Have you ever met someone and thought, man, that person right there has nine lives because they're always getting into some kind of mess? Well, that's my cousin Bill to the T. When we were really young, I remember him driving his battery-powered four-wheeler, you know, those plastic-looking ones that you can buy at Walmart, although this one was a little bit more high-end. He drove that thing near a ditch and ended up sliding down the ditch with the four-wheeler rolling on top of him. When I ran over to check on him, he managed to squeeze out from under the four-wheeler and be like, I'm okay. Another time, he got his face smashed in when he was holding onto a dog leash and the dog started running full speed for some reason. I think it stepped on a bee. Well, his face ran straight into the corner of a picnic table and basically destroyed the bones around his eyes, which left him with a pretty gnarly scar. But nothing beats the time he legit almost died because he somehow got his head run over by a car. I remember having to leave work because my cousin was being airlifted to the hospital and we had no idea what was going to happen. So safe to say, the dude is very lucky to be alive today. With all of that out of the way, let's fast forward to me working at my old job. I've mentioned this a few times on the Jerk channel, but I used to work at an old automotive job where we worked around engines and stuff. This was more of a testing facility instead of a mechanic shop. While I worked at this job for many years, I was able to build up a reputation as being a hard worker and a leader on my shift. So much so that I was promoted to the lead operator position. Well, one day, much to my surprise, I walk into the office to see who our new employee for the shift is going to be, and it turns out to be my cousin Bill. I instantly thought, this is gonna suck. 
Because remember how I mentioned how Bill always kind of got his way? Well, that kind of molded his work ethic and he didn't do a lot of things that he didn't want to do. Not something you really want in a new employee. What was worse is this particular workplace had a lot of people that judged you off your recommendations for new hires. If you recommended a new guy and he was awful, it made you look really bad. The thing that sucked here was I didn't recommend my cousin for this job, but that wasn't going to stop people from thinking that I did. So now the pressure was on me to make sure my cousin became a star player on this shift. I told him straight up that I wasn't going to cover for his mistakes and I wasn't going to baby him through the process of this training so he better pay attention. As this training went on, I caught him a few times on his phone or not being in his area where he was supposed to be. These were little things that were annoying but easily fixed. But then there were the mistakes that started to become bigger issues. Stuff that messed up samples or might ruin tests that we were running. By the way, a lot of these tests that we ran cost anywhere from $10,000 to $250,000. And they were tests that we couldn't easily restart because many required thousands of hours of running engines. Oh, and I can't forget to mention that the one time during our shift in my cousin's area, one of his engines caught fire, sending the sprinkler system off in the actual area, which didn't end up turning off once we shut the engine down, causing damage to the systems that ran the engines themselves. Now, to this day, I still don't know if this was some freak accident that just happened on the job. It's totally possible. Or if it was because my cousin wasn't paying attention to his area and he let something linger that turned into a fire. Either way, people on my shift was like, bro, get your boy. It sucked. So as you might assume, once those mistakes started happening, the birds on my shift started chirping. Yo, what's wrong with your cousin, OP? Dang, OP, remind me to never take any of your recommendations again. So now his bad performance was starting to make me look bad at work. But even with all of that, I told my cousin the one thing he better never do was show up to work late or do a no-call no-show. Fast forward a few months later, it was New Year's Day, so all of management is off for the holiday, and I am basically in charge of the whole shift for the day. I get to work early, I check out our engine count, and assign who has what for the day. As it gets closer to the start of the shift, I notice my cousin Bill has yet to arrive. I figure maybe he's running a little late because it's raining all day and people in this city tend to drive like they've never seen rain before. 10 minutes past the start of the shift and he still hasn't arrived. So I send him a text and say, where are you? After he is now 30 minutes late, I call him but no answer. So I leave him a voicemail along the lines of, where the hell are you? You are 30 minutes late for your shift and I told you this was the one thing you should never do. You better be here soon. By the way, I think my cousin was late maybe once or twice prior to this, so that's kind of why I was a little bit more annoyed. The reason why I was so annoyed at this point was because when one person doesn't show up to work, it usually means I need to pick up the slack or everyone else on the shift is getting more work for the day. The job is pretty easy when you have a good team of people, but even I knew the further you stretch the team, the more likely problems occur on the shift, which is something I always tried to avoid during the holiday shifts because anytime you had to call someone to the campus, they were usually big babies about having to work. At this point, an hour or so has passed and I have heard nothing from my cousin. No text, no phone call, nothing. I even call my boss to see if maybe my cousin actually called him and he was just avoiding talking to me. Nothing there either. It wasn't until about maybe two to three hours later that I get a call from my uncle, who is my cousin's father, telling me that Bill has been in a car accident and he's in the hospital. Turns out my cousin was driving his sports car down a curved road and apparently lost control of the vehicle, causing the car to flip multiple times. I was pretty in shock when I heard this news from my uncle because my cousin getting into a car accident was the last thing on my mind for reasons for him being late. 
I told my uncle to keep me posted and that I hope that he's all right. I personally don't remember all the details of the accident since it has been years, but I don't think my cousin was wearing his seatbelt and I believe the accident was so bad that his leg was caught in the car at some point and it broke pretty badly. I just remember he didn't return to work for four to six months. I felt so bad after I got that phone call because I had left an angry message on my cousin's phone and he was probably going to listen to it once he was up and well. The last thing I wanted was for him to feel bad for missing work when he should be recovering from a bad accident. Anyways, that's the story about the one time my cousin didn't show up to work and the reason why is because he almost died. So let me know, am I the jerk in this situation? Customer tells me I need to make a large delivery by parking my truck on the neighborhood basketball court, but this almost leads to the customer and a random guy getting into a fist fight. This happened a couple of days ago, but I figured I'd share it. So for those who haven't seen my previous posts, I work as a boom truck delivery driver for a building supply company. For those not familiar with them, it's a large flatbed truck with a crane on it to unload materials. This customer had ordered a bunch of heavy decking material for a family member, so it was being delivered by my truck. When I arrived, the house is one of those units where four other houses are directly connected to each other. So the only way to the backyard was through the house. The customer thought I could get the materials over the roof into the backyard, but my boom doesn't have that kind of reach. So the only way was to take each material one at a time through the guy's house. The customer pointed that just behind the backyard of their fence was a cul-de-sac, and behind that fence was a little picketed basketball court. He told me I could enter the cul-de-sac and park on the court, and then I could reach the boom into the backyard. I verified with him that there would be no problems and that the court and everything wasn't private property. He assured me that it would be fine and if anything goes wrong, he would bear responsibility. So I enter the cul-de-sac, inspect the court to make sure it would handle the weight of my truck, then pull forward and unload the order into the backyard. During that time, a few people in the cul-de-sac came out of their houses, watching the show as I boomed the order into the backyard. One guy came up to me talking about how amazing it was to be able to deliver something like that while not having to do it by hand. Everything goes on without a hitch, and I fold my boom back up to its driving position as the customer writes me a check. There was a little discrepancy with the total amount, so I phoned down to the store to find out the correct total. As I'm talking to a store worker, this guy drives up in a big pickup truck and yells at me, what the hell are you doing? I respond that I was making a delivery to the house behind the fence. He's yelling, you can't park your truck on that. That's a brand new court and you're gonna wreck it. That's private property. I replied that I was following instructions from the customer and that they were the ones who told me to park here. He's still yelling, well, you're going to pay for any of the damages. At this point, the customer is poking his head over the fence, telling the guy to calm down, that they would be the one to fix any damages. But the guy keeps yelling about how he doesn't care and that I shouldn't be there. The next little bit was a bit of a blur because I was both on the phone and everything went from zero to a hundred. I remember the customer yelling, Talk to me like that. I'm going to hop over this fence and kick your butt. The two just started throwing obscenities at each other, threatening to kick each other's butts with the customer's family yelling at him to stop. And that random guy I mentioned from earlier who was talking to me about how amazing the truck was, he was just standing in front of this irate guy, holding his arm out in front of this irate man, trying to keep things from turning into a fight. Finally, the guy gets back in his truck and drives off, and the guy who was standing in the irate man's way came over, as him and the customer talked, trying to get the customer to calm down. He was saying, pay no attention to that idiot, he lives several houses down, he shouldn't have gotten involved. 
He's one of those people who has more brawn than brains. He then identified himself as the head of the cul-de-sac committee and that he has no problem with what we were doing. The court was fine and it was an interesting show. He pointed out to the customer if anything else ever needed to be boomed in like that again to come to him because he can give official permission. The customer thanked him, apologized for things escalating, and for not knowing that he was the one to go to for permission. Both him and the customer then apologized to me for what had happened. I just laughed saying, hey, keeps my day interesting. And we all wished each other a good day. So as I'm leaving the cul-de-sac, I pass where the irate man lives as he was standing on the porch. He gave me a very low effort, almost defeated like wave. So I smiled at him and gave him a very energetic wave as I drove by. But let me know. Who was the jerk in this situation? Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Honestly, I don't know how I would have handled this situation. Part of me thinks that I would have tried to de-escalate it, but the other part of me thinks I would have wanted to see what happened. Sadly, in America, these things can get dangerous really fast depending on what state you're in. My manager doesn't want me to use my cell phone to help us at work, so I maliciously comply by using our dial-up internet during rush hour. This was during my time in college in around 2005. For the sake of the story, I have to start off on my first day and what led up to the point of why my store had a horrible high turnover rate. I started and soon figured out that the store was getting a complete makeover and renovation, as well as a completely new manager, who we shall call Richard. Richard hired me, but the other employees were hired under the previous store manager. I trained under the previous paint manager and hoped to learn the trade so I could better assist customers, increase my knowledge and hourly wage. We also had to learn to drive a forklift and how to cut slash program keys for cars and houses. The worst part was during this transition, they changed the layout of the floor plan. I had already learned where all the products were, but then they were going to go ahead and move everything around. The store had a policy that every customer had to be greeted and helped no matter how busy we were unless they refused our help. Over two months, approximately six employees left inside the hardware store and four others left our garden center department. Richard had to work the garden center and hated it because he had to leave his AC cushy office and constantly took it out on the hardware employees inside. And since we weren't cross-trained for garden center and hardware, none of us could really be moved around. Plus, there was also the fear if he did that, more people would leave. Fast forward about one year. 
And then our paint manager left due to overwork and poor scheduling by our manager. He stretched us too thin and made him open and close the store numerous times. We were open from 7am to 6pm, so our previous paint manager worked several hours into OT every week. I became the new paint manager immediately because I was the only employee left who was trained and remained from before the floor plan change. I had to train all new employees on how to make paint via our automatic machines and our manual machine that was specialized for industrial paints. Richard always found an excuse not to train the new people. I also had to train all new employees for how to make keys and key fobs. I was given a 12 cent raise for my compensation. After my promotion, I met our new district paint manager. His name was Kevin. I met him so we could go over anything I needed to know about how to order paint. It was the only thing I was not taught. Kevin told me I can just send him a picture of the order filled out on his personal phone and he would place the order since our internet was so slow at our facility. He brought his hotspot anytime he needed internet access because our computers usually took 25 minutes to log in. It was the equivalent to dial-up and we could not use the computer at the register for anything other than customer service checkouts. So when it came time to order paint, I filled out the proper form and pulled out my phone and took all pictures needed and sent them to Kevin. Cue Richard from Garden Center drenched in sweat. He came barreling in and pulled me aside and said, it pisses me off that we're outside busting our butts in the sun and I come in and you are on your phone goofing off. I explained that I was ordering paint and that it was for the business anyways. He told me to follow the company policy of no phones at work and use the computer in the back. I swallowed my pride and my argument I had. This is what set up my malicious compliance. When the next time to order paint came through, I wrote down what we needed and went to the break room. Between the boot up time and the internet login to the paint order site, it was about an hour long. The store was in chaos. The new employees couldn't find anything they needed for customers. We had several people at the paint desk asking for samples. This required manual mixing because our automatic machine could not process pint can sizes. And I hadn't trained anyone on that yet. Keys needed to be cut and the line was almost out the door at the checkout line. Customers were walking out of the store and filing complaints. This was a self-owned store by an old family. We had several returning customers that knew the family and personally called the owners to complain. On top of the chaos, during the renovation, Richard decided to remove a cash register that was in Garden Center and made everyone check out inside. This made work that much busier on the hardware side. Richard couldn't help because he never took the time to listen to my training on the keys and paint. So he was absolutely useless to the new employees. I finally returned and he asked me, where the hell have you been? I said in the back ordering paint. You could have used your phone this one time. You didn't see how busy we were? Yes, I saw how busy we were, but if I didn't get the paint order in by 10 a.m., we won't get it in time and we will be out of stock for a week. I'm just following the no phone policy you made very clear to follow. He huffed and walked away more pissed than before. Shortly after this, Richard got Kevin to go through the paint order process and from now on, Richard ordered the paint because it also gave him an excuse to sit inside away from the garden center. Eventually, the new employees left and I stayed because I was about to graduate anyways. I purposely didn't train any new employees on any of the processes in the store because I came to find out I never actually received the paint manager title on paper because it was supposed to come with a $2 raise. I was only given the responsibilities and it was never reported to the store owners by Richard. I came in a few months later and Richard was moved to the other Northside store and was no longer a manager. The store was still in chaos. The owner 
of the store was there and even asked a few questions about paint and wanted to know some ins and outs of what sold best. I still had a few friends there and they told me that the store owners had to stop by regularly to fix the mess that Richard had made during his time there and that people were still complaining. But let me know, am I the jerk? Bruh. The same thing happened to me. Always ask upper management to make sure your title is correct and see if it comes with any type of raise. My supervisor one time gave me a promotion without me knowing to cover his butt because he was not keeping track of employees' qualifications, which were mandatory. I had the qualifications for this position, but it also came with a $2 raise that I was unaware of. After a few months, my supervisor got demoted, and I questioned why my paychecks listed me as a different position from my coworkers. I brought this up to HR and asked them if it came with the raise, because I never received one if it did. They said that they would look into it. A week or so later, they brought me into the office and quietly gave me my raise that I was owed. They also told me not to mention this to anyone else on the floor. So it was pretty obvious that they messed up big time. But at the time, I didn't really care because, well, I got a $2 raise. That's it for today's video. If you want to make sure you don't miss out on any content, hit that subscribe button and make sure you hit that bell to turn on notifications. If you want to finish listening to all those stories, use the playlist at the top of the description. And if you're someone who live streams and needs copyright free music, check out the Cream of the Crop music by searching Cream of the Stream on Spotify or whatever music platform you choose. Remember, it's free.